And it's finally here, season four of our JMJ Missions podcast after a little couple-month hiatus. Today, the Jedi himself, the Podge, Padre Pio, one of the coolest saints of our times. We're going to go through five miracles, supernatural gifts that he had, and what God is trying to tell us. You really can't think of a more interesting topic than that. But first... A little on this new season of the JMJ Missions podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are JMJ Missions. As you know, all these things about us already. We're on social media. We give talks. We do retreats and all that jazz. Uh, season four, we are going to be making a few small changes, but keeping a lot of season three's good, good aspects intact. Uh, for example, we're going to do most likely once a month. Our podcast will be a little less frequent so we can make them more quality. Uh, we're also yes. going to try to continue to get guests quality quality over quantity quality this season and you know what if if we have some time maybe we'll throw a bonus episode at you yeah maybe we'll get a couple in in a month every now and then but we're not going to promise that just because we don't want to overextend ourselves i mean podcasting is not the only thing we do uh unlike a lot of other podcasters where it's their only form of media of course we're all over social media and we do talks and we're both teachers so with a lot going on we just don't want to overextend ourselves and make promises we can't keep but that also means that um, our, our, our podcasts are going to be, as Anthony said, quality. So we're going to continue to have the devotional cup. We're going to continue that from last season because we still have a bunch of Catholic devotions that we haven't um, talked about yet. We're going to continue with the Stuff in the World segment uh, ahead of time before we speak about our topic to keep that balance going and so you can get a little bit of our personalities And because we feel like that just makes everything a lot easier when you know, you feel like you're hanging out with us, and that's what we want you to feel like. Like you're good friends of ours, like you are hanging out with us uh, and talking about spiritual things just naturally. And finally, before, um, last but not least, um, support us. If you want to support us, you can go to Spotify.com, Spotify for, Spotify for podcasters. I don't know if it's .com or not. I don't know, but it, they'll probably find it if they type that. Yeah. So that they can support us there, but really, like, the one place that I really want to ask for support is with our merch. So we've launched some merch finally. We've had some sales, which is really nice, mm-hmm. and we've noticed, Dan and I have noticed, that the podcast listeners, you guys, are some, uh, you're a loyal bunch. Mm-hmm. You stick around through thick and thin. Mm-hmm. Some of you were there since season one. Some of you are just joining today, and I personally, I like getting merch of podcasts that I listen to. I listen to a podcast called The Garden State. It's all about New Jersey, and like they sell t-shirts with like New Jersey on it, and I just think that's awesome. I haven't actually bought one yet, but I like the idea of buying something. So you're telling them to buy our stuff, but but you I will bought your own. I, I'm waiting for the prices to come down. Our prices are cheaper than theirs. <laughs> that's they're, true. They're like fifty dollars for a t-shirt. That's true. You know, and honestly, the merch really is more of a fundraiser for us than anything else. Um, it's cool to have merch. We're not just doing that for fun, though. Yeah, and that's not going to our pocket. That's going to our no. our bank for expenses. Right for yeah. our, our ministry expenses allowing us to get the gospel out um, most of all and we're not just saying this because um, I feel like some ministries <laughs> they say this do you think they're just saying it actually I really mean it um, and part of our topic today is going to be the power of prayer um, is that if you could play please if you could if you could please pray for if you could please pray for us and pray for our success I truly believe that when people pray for a ministry that they support that they think could do good in the world the Lord really does behind the scenes start moving things, the people, the connections you need to make, the graces that we need, because you know, no ministry is perfect, no person's perfect. We're all relying on God's grace here. The graces that we need, they start to overflow when people start praying uh, for good things to happen. Um, it's interesting. I was a big fan of Billy Graham. Now, he's not Catholic, and I kind of wish he was, and of course, we're very um, devout Catholics here, and you know, we, we would never um, 
you know, divulge from the Catholic faith in any, any way, but I am still a fan of Billy Graham and what he stood for. Uh, he was a very good preacher, and he had no really big scandals, which so many big preachers do. Never was greedy, never had problems with money or women or anything like that. One thing I noticed about him was that he would have people, with between uh, before every city that he would travel to, he'd have teams of people, number one, start laying the groundwork for the, like, the logistics of that crusade to happen. But he more importantly would have like dozens of people whose job it was to pray, who lived in that city, to pray for success three, four, five, six months ahead of time before that crusade. And I really do think that's why they were so successful. So your prayers would really, really help us in that regard. So our stuff in the world, our segment uh, on this podcast, uh, Anthony had a good one, and it was... Yeah, it's is... just like, what have we been up to the past couple months? Mm-hmm. You know, because our last one came out, I think we released it in, and was it July or was it late June? Uh, I think June. it was. I think it was June. Yeah. yeah. So it's been two and a half months since we podcasted. So I just wanted to ask you, Dan, like, what are some cool things that you've done over the last two and a half months? Um, man, uh, the biggest, the coolest thing. Well, I would say the most touching thing would be the the second, my son's second birthday was, which happened in June, and my daughter's first birthday, which just happened two weeks ago. It's a busy summer. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, we did some things for JMJ missions. So we were always busy. So just being a dad. And uh, we had more JMJ events than ever before in the summer, at least. It's norm- normally right. A downtime. Usually, summer yeah, is, is slow. Yeah, we had one specific mission. We had a few events, but one specific uh, mission, a three-day mi- night mission in Cape May, that was super successful. And the priest did a great job organizing it and promoting it. That was awesome. Um, but the biggest JMJ event, as we were talking about before we started uh, recording it, was definitely the Nevada trip. Yeah, and we have to say Nevada. Not I know. Nevada. I was going to mention that my whole life. Uh, being from New Jersey, I think we say all of our letter A's weird. Like, how do you say family? Family. Me too. But right. did, did you know that most of the country says family? Family. family. I did know that, yeah. Yeah, and I'm never going to say family. It's <laughs> no, just it's not It's family. not in me. It's family. <laughs> but on, on the flip side, I always said Nevada. Me that's too. How well, that's because of, of our letter A's. Like, that's right. how we pronounce our the A. So I've always said Nevada right. my whole life. Like, always. Mm-hmm. And then when we, when we got out there, we met some really awesome people. Which we're we're gonna get into. Uh, Allie was the campus minister there. Uh, Jordan, David, yep. in, in the diocese of Reno, um, Savannah, a bunch of cool people. Right. And one of the first things they told us was, "Don't say Nevada." <laughs> and then we were like, well, "What do we say?" <laughs> they they literally said, "If you say Nevada, these high school kids they'll like disown you." Yeah. I was like, "What? Like, <laughs> you alive?" So then they told us how to say it, and it's Nevada. Nevada. That's how the locals say Nevada. So mm-hmm. make sure you say it with that a. Because if you say Nevada, you're you're pretty much the yep, equivalent of the scum of the earth to exactly, these people. Exactly. So naturally, yeah. in our first retreat, that was the first thing I said to them. Yeah. I was like, guys, I learned how to say your state's name. They, <laughs> like, I think I got one giggle. <laughs> so, yeah. You get one giggle from high school kids. You're, doing, <laughs> yeah, that's, you're not that's doing always bad. always a good thing. <laughs> yeah. So it was actually a great trip. It was our first national trip. We're making a vlog out of it. Rocco is currently in the process of editing that vlog right now so and we I have can't a, wait for that to come out i have a new goal so four years ago that was my goal when we started this my goal was to get on a plane for the ministry so now that that we've accomplished that i have a new goal and i don't know if i told you what my new goal what's is. what's the new goal international international i feel like that's a big goal probably mm-hmm. won't get there for a little while unless some unless, unless like someone in ottawa that's what i was thinking it like, could, it could be like, like montreal or montreal something. asks us yeah. to yeah like fly out there right or ireland cool. i think would be really cool ireland would be cool and you know ireland needs it because ireland's one of the most catholic traditional countries in the world but their catholic spirit is almost non-existent now mm-hmm. so like you know and, and that's our dream 
honestly, like my, my dream, and I hope this is from the Lord. Of course, sometimes we make our own dreams up and we ask the Lord to work with them. Sometimes he does. And sometimes they just come directly from the Holy Spirit. I'm hoping this is from the Holy Spirit and not me. But my dream is like this, this Christian world, the Christian West especially, which is forgetting how important its roots are and, and how, how beautiful the faith is and how real it is. You know, today we're talking about Padre Pio and all the miracles, and he died in 1968. This is some really cool stuff, right? We're forgetting our heritage to get that spirit back because the United States, the West in general, needs needs the Catholic spirit, needs to know that we have God, needs to find our identity and our faith and our families again because um, we're not we're trying to find it right now through like social media and through scrolling, scrolling, and it's making everybody numb. Ugh. Sad, yeah. numb, depressed, right. out of it, and they don't even realize that they're numb. And it's not just like it's not just youth. I think it's people of all ages. It's like everybody. Yeah. Everybody's just numb. Yeah. And meanwhile, like you know, what our conversions tell us is that the Lord's just sitting there waiting for us. Yeah. Completely real. Completely, His love is completely real. The joy He brings is completely real. But we can't find that if we're on the couch or not involved with our churches. We're not praying. We're not going mm-hmm. to adoration. Things like that. So, to be able to revive, at least in some way, in some small way, however God wants us to you know, this, this part of the world would be my dream. I think, I think that's what JMJ missions is for, mm-hmm. you know, bringing a revival, uh, which is cool. Cause the bishops are calling for a Eucharistic revival and that's exactly right in our wheelhouse. Yeah. Uh, so again, thank you so much for your prayers. That is probably what made this national trip happen. It was super successful. We gave two retreats to a high school out there, a really nice Catholic high school out there. Uh, Anthony mentioned Ali, the campus minister there flying us out. And then, um, David, who is the, uh, youth and young adult director for the diocese of Reno, we did a theology on tap talk to a bunch of young adults there. We tag teamed our conversion story, which is a lot of fun and um, just socialized and hung out afterwards. So there's a lot of balance, which is so important community balance. And then the Holy spirit, of course. And then we also did a leadership talk to a bunch of youth and adult leaders who are going to be helping David run youth events throughout the diocese. And they were awesome. They were great. Yeah. And they really wanted to hear the podcast. Like they, they all came up to us and they were like, what, like, what do I type in? How do I right. do the podcast? Right. So if they listen to this, like that'd be awesome. Right. And I remember all of them. I remember yeah, me all those too. kids there. Me so too. They were you, great kids. If you guys they are listening, eating. send us a DM. They all had their Jimmy John's hoagies that they were eating. Oh, right, right, yep. right. That David supplied for them. That's right. Very kindly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, again, thank you so much. We are so excited to, have, to be able to do this. Hopefully the first of many more to come. And um, in a second, we're going to get to our topic, which is five of the coolest miracles the coolest supernatural charismatic gifts of saint padre pio the jedi and uh what we think god is trying to tell us through these gifts that he had so don't go away we'll be right back all right so here we are the podge as dan so lovingly called him this dude Opened my eyes to the Catholic faith. I, I didn't know anything about this. I didn't know that miracles legitimately happened. And we met someone, our pastor, kind of told us these stories when we had our conversion about Padre Pio and Maria Esperanza. And these miracles are insane. And the fact that he died in 1968 means that, like, you know, my parents were alive. Like, my, my dad's still alive. But, like, <laughs> like it wasn't that long ago. Right. Um, and it's funny because we have video. There's videos of him. There's picture footage picture evidence footage picture evidence of him there's doctor's testimonies and there's tons right of corroborated evidence that's like recent of his miracles yeah and his feast day is coming up his feast day is september 23rd and he's really he kind of resonates with me too because when i first started teaching it was early september it was my first year and then it was padre pio's feast day and i just took a break from the book i just put the book down which the kids really loved 
and I just told Padre Pio's life story, and the kids went bonkers, and like they like absolutely like floored wow. for the entire day, and that's kind of when I noticed that, you know, like I was in the right spot teaching, that I was doing the right thing teaching. So I, I kind of always associate him with that. It was like my confirmation that I was doing the right thing. Um, so he has a special a special place in my heart because of that. It's funny because you had a student. Her name was Natalie that came to my class at my previous school as a freshman. Yeah. And she had you like two years before or the uh, year before uh-huh. as seventh or eighth grader. And she remembered you talking about Padre Pio. Like that's, she told me she's one of the few students that we overlapped with. That's right. School. There's been a couple, but yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that I, that's cool. I remember her. She's probably, geez, she's, she's probably, probably like, like a junior 20, 19, 20. She's probably a junior in college. Wow. That's makes me feel really Crazy. old. Crazy. It's insane. Shout out to Natalie. If she's listening. <laughs> um, anyway, today what Dan and I are going to do, we're going to talk about his five, coolest gifts and again the point is like what is god trying to say with each one of these gifts so let's dive in should you want to hear all five first or should i just go one at a time and keep it a mystery yeah keep it keep it, yeah keep, keep it, it in suspense yeah, keep people yeah. wanting more yeah i like it <laughs> cool it's kind of like when a girl texts you like you can't text her back right away oh no absolutely yeah because then you're you're toast you're, no you're too no i'm not the perfect person to ask with this i've only been in two big relationships but, in my life but you are married i'm married and, so uh, and i I did something, something right. right. I don't know how yeah. I pulled it off, but I did something right. But I will tell you, you tech, you look, you look desperate. Yeah, it's not a good look for a guy. And also, you can't wait too long because then you're just playing games, and nobody's no. got time for games. That's like a sin. You just start playing with so someone's it's heart. Like, so what do you do? So you have that sweet spot where, like, yeah. you wait a little while, but not too long. Not too long. You want to creep him out, but you also don't want to be disrespectful. And you got to match how long. If, if they take a half hour, you got to take a half hour. Exactly. So yeah. honestly, now that we know this, every single person who's single that's listening to this podcast will have a boyfriend or girlfriend yep. soon. With and then our you advice. can then you can thank us. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the first gift is that Padre Pio, from a very young age, from five years old, was given visions or locutions of saints. One of the coolest things I learned about him is that Jesus and Mary would appear to him almost on a daily basis when he was five years old. Mm-hmm. He'd be play- and his guardian angel, too. And he would just be playing outside. Jesus and Mary would show up, no big deal. And then he went and he would meet the other kids in his town. And he would ask them and he would say, like, what did Jesus say to you today? And the kids were like, what? <laughs> so like all the kids thought he was insane. He, he thought it was a completely normal occurrence for him to see these, to have these locutions. Yes. Uh, and why do you think that, you know, he alone was having these visions at such a young age? I think like all kids are innocent, but I think he had a different level of innocence yeah. in him. You know, it's interesting. I heard a story. I don't know how true it is, but I read it in a book on him that his dad. Oh, and by the way, Padre Pio's dad traveled to America for a period of time to make money in order to send over, to, I believe uh, to New Jersey too, to not just America. Yeah, to I wanted to, I wanted to, to say hometown. that, but I he wasn't spent, sure. I think a year or two here, working, I believe, on a farm. Yeah, to send literally in our hometown mm-hmm. to send money over to Padre Pio. That's pretty cool. So like Padre Pio would have known about Williamstown. Exactly. That's like really cool. We actually have some weird connection there. But anyway, yeah. Apparently, his dad, when Padre Pio was a little baby, Padre Pio was just crying and crying and crying, and wouldn't stop crying. And apparently, his dad got really frustrated and like kind of shook him, not hard, obviously. But just shook him and, and just yelled and was like, you know, and I'll tell you, he does get frustrated when a baby's crying. Because when you when you have a baby, we have kids, like, they're either cold, they're hungry, they're tired, or they're pooped. It's kind of like me. <laughs> cold, hungry, tired, <laughs> and pooped. Yeah, or all at the same time. All at the same, that's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when that's going on, you know, and you can't figure out what the problem is because they're not, none of those things. It's really, really frustrating. And apparently his dad got really frustrated and just screamed at him, am I raising, am I raising a, uh, a wild beast or a Christian and just screamed at him. And apparently Padre Pio, little baby Padre Pio, when he said, am I raising like a wild beast or a Christian, just stop crying. 
and was never acted up ever since then. Oh wow! Which is fun. I mean, I don't know if that's you know. Yeah. But I did read it in a book on his life, which is very interesting. Yeah. So there, he, he did. He was on a different level when it came to his innocence, and I think that's what God is trying to tell us through him at such a young age, and even his entire life having these visions, is that he's extremely innocent. Uh, and then the more innocent somebody is, the more of a connection they can have with the Lord. Like the the less the less crowded that your heart is with yeah. your own thoughts, your own selfishness, your own desires, your own bitterness, whatever it is, the more just kind of like a humble naivete. And when I say naive, I don't mean like stupid naive. Yeah. I mean just a humble like disposition where you're not really thinking too childlike. much about Yeah, very childlike. You're not thinking too much about other people's intentions or not gossipy thoughts or negative thoughts. You're just kind of doing your thing and very humble. You know, you're very close to the Lord. I always think about what Jesus said, that quote, you know, if you if um, anyone that causes one of these little ones to sin, it would be better for them to have a millstone tied around their neck and for them thrown into the bottom of the sea, right, than what's going to happen to them. I looked up a millstone to see how big it was. It's huge. Really? It's a gigantic circular stone disc. Oh, my gosh. With a little hole in the middle that you could probably tie a necklace around. Oh, my yeah. goodness. That's, mm-hmm. See, that's, and like, so Jesus was very, very clear that the innocence of children and of just holy people in general do not tarnish it it's beautiful Mm -hmm. it's a beautiful thing so let's hold on to our innocence and i want to also caution all the young people anthony you told me one time that when you were like in middle school people were making all kinds of like you know sexual jokes and like just immature references and you didn't know what these things meant Mm -hmm. and you got embarrassed that people Mm -hmm. were making fun of you that you didn't know what these things meant Mm -hmm. looking back you were probably head and shoulders above the rest of the crowd. I was because like it was a good thing. I didn't know what that stuff meant. Right. And those, those kids did. And like, they made me feel stupid for it, but like in actuality, they were the ones that were stupid. (laughs) (laughs) So take that. (laughs) And that's what I would say for our younger, for our younger listeners, like college, high school, even if there's a few that are in middle school, like if you have an innocent mind, that is a gift. Like you do not let anyone get in the way of that. You know, if you're an innocent person, you don't, you know, you're in college and you're not the type that usually goes out and parties hard or something like that's a good thing. Hold on to that. Don't ever feel left out. Right. And, and also listen to that feeling inside you that's that tells you like who you are, because if you've ever dabbled with something you're not supposed to do, sometimes there's a little voice that say like it just kind of reminds you it's like this isn't you like whatever this is like you can stop doing this. Yes. And like just go back to who you are yep. and, and be confident in who you are. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. Yep. So cool, cool gifts. Padre Pio had visions of Jesus and Mary and angels and even demons, but we'll, we'll skip over them. Uh, his, his entire life, pretty much, uh, all the time. And souls in purgatory. He saw souls in purgatory as well, and they were allowed to come to him sometimes to ask him for prayers and for masses to be said for their souls. Very nice. And that these, these privileges belong to the innocent, and they're really just a supernatural gift, so it doesn't mean every innocent person is going to be getting the gift to be able to see the spiritual realm. But... Um, Sometimes God just gives this gift as a sign that this stuff is real, and he always gives it to those who are innocent. One last thought on that that I had is um, the three shepherd children of Fatima, Jacinta, Lucia, and Francisco. Apparently these kids were just so innocent. Like, look at every apparition of Mary. It's always to an innocent child or a very humble, like Juan Diego wasn't a child, but very humble, mm-hmm. humble soul, you know. Um, so the, the children at Medjugorje, you know, when, when you know, I'm, we're waiting around church confirmation for that, so you don't want to go out and say that it's definitely of God, but you know, you can make a pretty good guess at it by the fruits. And like you, you look at these stories, and it's St. Bernadette, for example, having no education, being just a girl, not kind of mind, just minding her own business. Um, these things typically t- happen to very innocent and very humble souls, so let's keep that as best we can. I agree, very cool. All right, so that was number one the visions and locutions. Numero dos is Padre Pio's stigmata which is awesome. If you don't know what stigmata is, it's the wounds of Christ that have appeared 
on multiple saints throughout history. And it's the wounds from Good Friday, the day of his death. There are the two wounds in the hands, one on each hand, uh, one on each foot, and then sometimes a wound on his side where he was pierced mm-hmm. uh, by the sword or the spear. Yeah. Yeah. So about, I think, I think I read somewhere once that about 300 saints in history have had some form of stigmata. Interesting. Some are more famous than others. Uh, Padre Pio might be the most famous, but other ones, uh, St. Catherine of Siena, her stigmata appeared after she died. Wow. She always said that she had it. Nobody believed her. And, I didn't know that. And I wouldn't have believed her either if she said, I have stigmata, <laughs> and she said, look, and then there was nothing on her hands. <laughs> I wouldn't have believed her either. A lot of people apparently got the invisible stigmata, just yeah. the wounds, and for whatever reason, God did not want them to people to see the, see the effects right. of it. And know? then for her, it happened after she died, So that, and which is cool because obviously she was vindicated by that. Right. But then she didn't even get the moment to say, like, I told you so. Right. Like, yeah, because she was. Well, she wouldn't want that. Anyway. Oh, yeah, she I know. So humble. Yeah, well, I would have wanted that. <laughs> uh, a couple other notable ones I want to mention. St. Gemma, one of my favorite saints, St. Gemma Galgani. Uh, to this day, probably our most successful podcast. If you like this podcast and you haven't heard the one on St. Gemma, you should definitely check that one out. It's recent. Uh, do you know the first person in the history of the church that we know for sure had the stigmata? Not for sure. Confirmed. I know the first one with the theory. The first How about one the first one for confirmed? sure? Confirmed? Yeah, confirmed. Maybe, give me a hint. About a thousand years ago. Uh, is it a Francis? It is a Francis. Is it a CC or a DeSales? It's it's a CC. I don't okay. think DeSales. Yeah, I didn't because I would have known. I mean, was... DeSales is a great guy. Don't get me oh, wrong. Yeah. Like, we would have been friends with him <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if plus, he was a teenager growing up or you know in his twenties, right? Yeah. Plus, <laughs> I would have known if it was DeSales. I'm obsessed with DeSales. <laughs> you, love, you love DeSales. Yo, Francis, the the OG, the original Francis, <laughs> um, is the first person we know for sure to have the stigmata, which well, is really cool. Well, then who's the one that is theorized? Theorized. Could have had it. Do you know who it is? Yes. Go ahead. St. Paul. Yeah. We think it might have been St. Paul. Do you know why? Yep, because it said, I bear the wounds of Christ on my hands. Yes. He's, well, not my hands. Then we know who would have known for sure. <laughs> he said, I bear the marks of Christ on my body. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we, we don't know if that just means, like, he carries Jesus's, like, redemptive grace with him everywhere he goes. Or if he was, if he was talking literally, like, he literally had the marks of Jesus on his body. I think he meant literally. He, he could have. Now that we yeah. know, now that the stigmata is, like, a proven pretty much thing with our with modern science i would i would think that maybe he was being literal as well so what was the point of padre pio getting stigmata then Ooh, this is a interesting one um I, I thought of two two points the first one the first thing god's trying to tell us is the beauty of redemptive suffering uh, whenever i teach the stigmata to my students they always say like mr p why the heck would god hurt a saint like why would he do that to somebody because like they say did it hurt and i said oh yeah it hurt <laughs> like it hurt a lot like a ton right the stig- the saints when they were interviewed that had the stigmata if they were normally they were super humble and wouldn't want to talk about it but if you caught them on a really good day and they felt inspired by the Holy Spirit to actually talk about their experiences they would say it hurt like crazy so why would God do this well every one of these saints had something in common uh, the one thing they had in common that they all they all shared was that they really loved Jesus on the cross like they meditated on Jesus's suffering and his passion like crazy to the point where they asked him to share in his sufferings like lord i know that suffering for somebody else is the greatest way to love and the most effective way to pray and in your conversion story at our retreats you always mention how like suffering amplifies your prayers if you had pain to prayer it's like it amplifies it and it gives it a megaphone and it touches god's heart even more because there's more love and suffering Mm because you're being like jesus they literally said to jesus give me a share of your sufferings so that i can offer this up for the salvation of souls with you as like a super prayer and because they were truly heartfelt when they said that and he knew they could take it and understand it 
and probably have the humility to be able to handle that kind of attention because most people would not have that kind of humility. In very rare cases, he actually granted that gift. So they were suffering with Jesus and usually offering those pains up for the salvation of souls. That's the first one, to show us that redemptive suffering is a real thing. And what kind of things can we offer up? Maybe not the stigmata, but... Any any suffering that we have, big or small, whether it be like if you're sick, you're not feeling well, or you're stuck in traffic. doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> I like that. I never heard the stuck in traffic one. Yeah, yeah headache, or like fasting. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's a mini suffering you're going to intentionally kind of put yourself through. Um, and what should you not do? What would be the imprudent way to, 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 to pray? To You mentioned this at the retreats too. Um, imprudent way to pray? Like, what do you mean? Like, like to, to sh- add suffer, to add pain to your Oh, prayer. oh, so like pinch yourself on purpose or like, to, <laughs> you know, I don't know, like just fall off your rollerblades or something. And <laughs> without you always work. say like, yeah, say Hail Mary and start pinching yourself. And yeah, just... it doesn't work like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just weird. Yeah. Um, but the sufferings that God does send you, and then in rare cases, maybe if you want to do some mortification, yeah, like they can really be effective. Uh, and the second reason that I thought that Wait, real uh, quick. There's oh, yeah. just one of the times we went on a retreat. I think it might have even been to the Padre Pio Shrine. There was like a little section. Maybe it wasn't the Padre Pio Shrine. But we saw like instruments that a couple of saints used to like inflict pain upon themselves. <laughs> and our priest that was there told the story of this kid who was like really into like suffering and like like redemptive suffering. So he said that he saw this device and the priest said this kid was just lusting over this device. <laughs> and it was like, I don't know. I don't remember what it was. I remember that. Yeah. I, that was really, really <laughs> funny. Yeah, you want to make sure this is all in context. Like, there's nothing wrong with mortification, but you really need to – you should come by this organically. I would never recommend that kind of um, <laughs> that kind of prayer and, and uh, spirituality for a beginner, someone who's starting out. In fact, I wouldn't recommend that for almost anybody unless you were on you know, just a different level. You know who might be able to handle it? Uh, Nico. Who's Nico? Epic Daily Catholic. Oh. He can probably handle it. He might, honestly, he probably even does it. I'm sure he does. Yeah. He's he's definitely the kind of guy that would go rolling in a thorn bush (laughs) like St. Francis instead of sin. Yeah, that's so funny. Again, uh, just because we're on the topic, a little disclaimer. When people do this, again, it's it's in a specific context. They're uh, very advanced spiritually, and they're not doing it because they hate themselves. It's the exact opposite. They they, they inflict a little bit of fasting or a little mini sufferings on themselves, kind of like what we do in Lent but a more advanced version of that because they have lots of love in them and they're offering it up as a super prayer for the salvation of other people, not because they are hate they hate themselves. I, people always get that mixed up. Uh, one last reason, and I won't spend too much time on it, that I felt that uh, God would give someone the stigmata is to kind of give like a little sign. Like this, this person gets me. It's Jesus pretty much saying, this person understands me. Maybe you should pay attention to them. Like what's Padre Pio saying? What kind of stuff did he write in his letters to his spiritual directees? What kind of spiritual advice does he does he give? You know, read a book on his spirituality, not just the miracles, which are really cool, but what kind of spirituality did he have? How did he think? I think anyone with these gifts, especially the stigmata, it's kind of like a little thumbs up from Jesus saying, this person understands me. They have at least somewhat of the mind that I had. They, their heart is at least somewhat like mine, <laughs> right? No one could ever be like Jesus, but they're closer than anybody else. So look at their example and learn from them. Yeah, it's, it's almost like a medal of honor, like for a, a soldier. It's right. Just like yeah, they're decorated. They, these are it's, decorated soldiers in the spiritual war that we're all fighting. Yeah. All right. So one was visions, two is stigmata. Here comes number three, reading of hearts. Mm. The fact that he could know your past, present, and future, and he did this many times, and he especially utilized this in confession. What would happen in confession? In confession. Somebody would do their best to make an honest confession, and then they thought they were done. 
And then Padre Pio, having never met this person before, would say, oh, would you mind telling me what happened at the beach on Saturday night? Right. And never met them, had no, like, would have had no other way of knowing that this person was at the beach. Right. And then that would automatically call to mind, that person would call their sin to mind, but it wasn't in order to embarrass the person. It was in order for that person's soul to be authentically cleaned. Right. Yeah. And sometimes he would use some embarrassment, but only when he knew it was going to be good for the person to shake them up. Mm-hmm. Like, if you weren't sorry, like, there's one, there's one kid that came to him just to test him. And he like literally said, scream and said, get out. Like yeah. he, he wasn't sorry. He was making up sins just to see if this guy could read hearts or not. Scream, mm-hmm. get out. Another guy, another guy goes, to, he was an American. He donated lots of money to Padre Pio, to the, I think to the hospital that Padre Pio had started. So of course this American rich guy who donated lots of money to Padre Pio goes to Italy to see him and is thinking he's going to get some personal attention from Padre Pio. Like, oh, yeah. thank you so much for your donations. Uh-huh. You know, he goes there. And he went with a friend who knew Padre Pio even better than he did. They get there, and he goes to confession with Padre Pio, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm a big, you know, benefactor of, of your thing. I pay, you know, lots of money I've donated." And Padre Pio cuts him off and says, "Get out, you pig! Get out!" C- calls him Why? a pig and screams, "Get out!" <laughs> he's like, "What the heck?" He complains to his friend, "Why did Padre Pio treat me like that? That's ridiculous." His friend goes back to Padre Pio and says, "Why'd you do that?" Padre Pio said, "He has a mistress. He said he's married." He's not telling anybody. He's got a mistress on the side, and he's not sorry. He's not planning on cutting it off. So he doesn't. I don't care what. I don't care how much money he's donated to my monastery. Like he's gonna go to hell, and he needs to like wow. repent. And that's yeah. what I. That all I care about is his soul. Wow. So he goes back and says to the guy, like you know, he you have a mistress, and the guy admitted that it was all completely true. Wow. So he, so he flies back to Padre. So he he goes home. He cuts off the relationship with the with the mistress. Flies back to Padre Pio. Uh, and no, he writes a letter to Padre Pio, and Padre Pio writes back a nice letter back saying, yes, thank you so much for your donation, blah, 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 come by visit any time. Oh, that's you know? because his soul was... Because his soul was better. Yeah, uh-huh. He goes to San Giovanni Rotondo again. I believe he might have gotten thrown out by Padre Pio again. Really? Even <laughs> after that? Yeah. And the friend says to Padre Pio, what the heck's going on? He goes, He's, he resumed the relationship again. Oh. And it's funny because it's like two or three times, every every time the guy was back on with his mistress, Padre Pio wouldn't talk to him. Wow. And every time he had cut it off, Padre Pio would talk to That's him again. That's a story I never knew. Oh, it's so cool. Mm-hmm. So cool. Uh, so what's the whole point of this gift that he would use many times in confession, but in all kinds of ways? I think it's because it shows that God really knows, actually does know us, and then he has a plan for us too. Yeah, like... I mean, this is what caused our conversion, right? I'm not going to say who out of prudence and caution, but there's a very holy woman uh, who um, read both of our hearts and read my heart specifically probably at least five or six times and was, I mean, deadly accurate. It wasn't just like you have a brother, mm-hmm. you have like a sister, you know. Like It was like, like I, you know, I was worried about my calculus grade specifically. I hadn't told anybody about it. And this woman, first time looking at me, said, you're so close to your family, you're so worried about what they're going to think of your grades. Like that's specific, you know. She also knew that I was around the parish the whole like all the time. I was just fresh off a of conversion. She knew that I was worried about what my family was gonna think of the fact that I was into my faith so much. They because they were they were worried about me. I was so zealous that they were like legit worried, and she told me not to worry. Like that's stuff that I hadn't told anybody, and that I was specifically worrying about that day. That's really cool. And for me, what that did was that confirmed for me that something out there, the spiritual world at the very least, is very real. There's no way she could have known this information unless somebody out there told her, and not just any force that told her, like, his demons know things too, right? I mean, this force, it's God, obviously, that told her had to, like, know it was bothering me, had to want me to feel better, and knew exactly what to tell me to feel better, to put me at ease, to keep me going spiritually, to persevere. That's the Holy Spirit. 
that's how real this stuff is and that's is that is so cool i agree and i also had my heart read uh, multiple times too and every single time it just amplified my faith right just because being told things that no one else could know just really just it opened my eyes and said like if she knows this then it has to come from god exactly especially because it was stuff to build me up it wasn't stuff that like left me feeling depressed yes and that's actually a little little thing i want to throw out there for our our listeners, because some students ask me, you know, what's the difference between just the kind of some any kind of psychic, you know, or well, first off, half the time you go to a psychic, they're just like t- they're t- totally fake, but sometimes taking your money. <laughs> so it's a real gift, but it can be used whether it could be used from God or from evil. Exactly, so it is a real gift because demons know things too. And I'll say that when it's from God, not only will, will you feel peaceful, and there should be like good fruits that come from it, but they're usually a, a holy person is going to be more concerned with your soul, your spirituality your relationship with God, your innocence of your soul, as we talked about from that point number one. They're not going to tell you random information like when you're going to die or the lottery yeah. numbers mm-hmm. or like, oh, I see you working in, you know, whatever like random field. Like that could maybe help if it's kind of had to do with your soul somehow. But most of the time with someone who has a true gift from God that can read your heart, they're going to be focused on like maybe they know that you're anxious about something and that the devil's messing with you and they're going to try to put you at ease and reconnect you with God through that mm-hmm. anxiety. Maybe they knew you were hurt when you were a little kid, and that's blocking you from feeling God's love. Like they're gonna focus on your soul, yeah, and what's good for your soul and your faith. So, yep, I like it. Mm-hmm. All right, so we had visions, locutions for number one, stigmata number two, reading of hearts number three, and number four is <laughs> by location. The fact that Padre Pio could be in two places at once, something that is not physically possible, but he's not even the only saint to have done this. There's actually a bunch of them: Saint Martin de Porres, Saint Alphonsus Liguori. St. Teresa of Avila. Um, there is an old tradition. Listen to this. Let me, I'm going to ask if you know this. The first time that we think there could be, that, that, that by location could have been recorded in church history. I don't know. There's an old tradition that says that when Mary assumed into heaven, all the apostles were out. Remember, they all saw, they really did see her as like their mom. That's why we should all see Mary as our actual mom. Like they really did love her like she was their mom. And she really kind of was spiritually, right? All of our mom. Uh, Apparently, when she was assumed into heaven, she knew it was getting close. And spiritually, she communicated to the apostles, like the apostles, because they could all read hearts at that point, too. They were they were so advanced spiritually, and the Holy Spirit was so powerful at this time. They all knew that she was dying, or not dying, but she was going to be assumed. Uh, or they had received word from somebody that you know Mother Mary was on her way, like her last days on earth. And apparently they all like they all went met up with her, but the ones that couldn't get there in person because they were on the other side of the world, you know, St. Thomas went to India, mm-hmm. you know, they literally bilocated to be there with her when she passed on. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, uh, when she that. was assumed, I should yeah. say. Yeah, crazy, right? Mm-hmm. That's the first. Now that's an old tradition that's not in the Bible, you know. Yeah. But it wouldn't surprise me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, what a cool gift! What What do you think God's trying to? I show? think well, I think God will do that to like make sure that His will is accomplished without overriding free will, because. Only times that I know of people that are, that bilocate, it's always when they're in deep prayer. Like yes. they're they're not in the middle of cooking dinner, and then they <laughs> right. bilocate. Right. It's like no, they have to be in a deep, deep state of prayer, and then God mm-hmm. takes their soul exactly where He wants their soul to be. Yes. And it's more than just their soul because I'm pretty sure it's their actual physical body that goes there as well. I don't know if you like pinched them. What would happen? <laughs> Nobody knows. Uh, theologians have been debating this for a long time. There's three theories. One their literal body goes somewhere else and they just somehow have like two bodies. But that's actually the least likely theory because the Lord wouldn't usually do something like that, like multiply mm-hmm. your flesh specifically like that. Mm-hmm. I guess he multiplied his own flesh in the Eucharist. But, yeah. So maybe it could. Um, 
The other theories are that um, it just looks like your physical body is there, but it's actually just your soul mm-hmm. that has gone to that place, and people can see it. Um, right, they can recognize it. Yeah, but then there's also been times where, like, people that have, uh, like, I'm pretty sure Martin de Porres, when he bilocated to help some bishop in Mexico City, and he lived in Peru, apparently he touched the bishop's forehead. Like, he was in the room physically, right. interacted with the objects in the room, prayed over him, touched, put a rag to his forehead to nurse him back to health, all kinds of stuff. And this bishop did have a miraculous healing and said, Brother Martin was here. And no, everyone was like, no, he wasn't. <laughs> the door was locked and he never left his monastery in Peru. Right. Um, so apparently they can interact with objects too, which is very interesting. Other people think that maybe your, your guardian angel stands in for you because some theologians think your guardian angel is so close to you that it's almost like they're, they're not you, but like they're so identified with you that they almost, if they did take on a human form, maybe they would look like you. Yeah. Maybe they would sound like you. They almost take on some part of your personality, you could say. So other people think that it's your guardian angel. So we don't really know if they're physical or not. Right. But another cool thing is that, at least for Padre Pio, I know that his bilocation really amped up when he was kind of confined to the monastery for nine years. And yeah. he had a lot of attention uh, with his stigmata, reading of hearts, hearing confessions for 18 hours a day. And his superior uh, didn't like this. So the superior kind of forced him to go in a monastery and just let things cool down, but it was for nine years. Yeah. So in God's... The bishop. I-, I think it was the bishop. Uh, yeah. So in God's ideal will, I'm sure God would have preferred St. Padre Pio to be doing all the things that he was doing. Right. So, of course, Padre Pio was obedient, and God respected the fact that he was obedient to his superior. And I think it's in that moment when he was confined that God took him all over the world it, in bilocation. It certainly could have been. Um, he, he wasn't allowed to leave the monastery his whole life. Um, but that's the, that's the thing is that not being allowed to leave the monastery and plus he had so many people visiting him, he would never have been. Was, he, I thought it was nine years. It was his whole life. I thought oh, it was a was, nine year penalty. So it was 10 years. I believe he was, uh, not able to hear confessions mm-hmm. and it was three years, I believe, or I might be getting this reversed, but three years in, within that 10 years where he not only could not hear confessions, but he wasn't even able to say mass in public okay. just at five or four thirty in the morning with one altar service. Now it's because of the bishop. That was because the bishop didn't uh-huh. like him. And yeah. Then, then that bishop was removed, and there was a scandal about yeah. that bishop. A new guy came in who thought he was great. <laughs> right. Uh, but think think about it. He had thousands of people writing him and, and visiting him. Like he wouldn't even if he could, he wouldn't be able to leave the monastery. Yeah. Yet God still had more for him to do. Maybe in the middle of the night when he was praying. Right. People would say he would just kind of zone out, and then at that time that he zoned out, like he wasn't even there. You'd, if you were near him, it was like he's there, but he's just closing his eyes in front of you, and it felt like he wasn't there. Yeah. And he'd be somewhere else helping somebody. I also think this is an extension of prayer. Uh, think of how prayer works. Um, when you pray, you could almost say you're, it's, it's related to love. Like, what is love or kenosis? It's the idea that you're coming out of yourself to go help somebody else. Now, this is all done through the Holy Spirit, and it's all by God's grace, and it is the Holy Spirit that you know operates through our prayers. But um, when, like, if I were to pray for you, and you're at your house and I'm at my house, and I really pray with lots of love, lots of love, and lots of fire in my heart to help you out— you could say I'm almost extending my soul out out to you through the power of the Holy Spirit, and that my it's like an extension of my soul is going to go there to you. I might not even be aware that it's happening, and through the Holy Spirit's power, or you know, it's weird because we don't know where the Holy Spirit cuts off and where our soul begins here, but uh, it starts fixing things inside your soul. Well, what if you're a saint and you're so loving and your prayer is so powerful and you're so interconnected to God? that that extension of yourself that prayer is that the Holy Spirit does takes on a, almost like a physical form because it is that strong. That is my theory on bilocation, um, that your your soul is extending outward in such a drastic, dramatic, loving way that God respects that and allows you to almost manifest somewhere else. 
Now that's just a theory, just my theory. But no, I like theory that theory, and it also requires a lot of compassion because if you can just pray for someone, you see someone in a rough spot, you say oh, like oh, I'll say a hail mary for you. That's nice. Yeah. But like when you actually go deep and like think about putting yourself in that person's shoes, right? I think that's when by location could happen. I mean, there's no, there's like no step. Like we can't put out a reel that says here's three ways on how to buy locate. Like, <laughs> and the people that can buy locate aren't going to tell you because they're that yeah. humble. <laughs> right. No one unhumble is going to be buy locate unless it's through the power of Satan. So like, <laughs> yeah. so I, I guess we'll have to leave this up to theory. Yep. All right. And the last one, number five, like Lou Bega, Mambo number five. Wow. No one's going to, none of our listeners are going to get that. Wow. If you get that, then you're a real one. <laughs> Um, all right, number five, Padre Pio's healings. So, Dan, there's a cool story of a lady with uh, no pupils. Tell that story. There was a woman named Gemma de Giorgi. This is a well, well, well documented case. This is on many books on Padre Pio. Um, she was born literally without pupils. Uh, doctors said she'll never be able to see. It's like literally um, anatomically impossible for somebody to see that doesn't have pupils. It's like being able to hear without having like eardrums, right, or ears. It's like you can't, you know. Um, cause there's nothing to let the light in. So when she was a young girl, I think maybe three, four five years old, her grandmom took her to San Giovanni Rotondo to see Padre Pio. Uh, and he blessed her. He passed his stigmatized hand over her eyes, blessing both of her eyes. Um, on the way home from that trip, just a, probably a few hours later, all of a sudden she said, grandmom, I can see a boat out on the ocean. Like the ones that you always take me to touch. Cause she would always take her to the docks and touch the boats. Mm-hmm. And her grandmom's like, what? Looks over and sees a boat there as they're on the train on the way home out in the Adriatic Sea. Like, are you serious? Like, and so to this day, uh, I believe she's still alive. She's probably in her 60s or 70s. She can still see without pupils. That's incredible. She's been interviewed many times. She And if, and there's been documentaries. Like, if you look at her eyes, zoom up close, they look like someone who's blind. Like, they're, yeah. you know, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but uh-huh. a blind person's eyes look like they're kind of moving all the time. Yeah. Uh, and you just can tell when they're you're not able to see. That is exactly what her eyes look like, yet she can see as well as me or you, and that's been documented over and over and over again. I like when it's, a, it's something that can be backed medically. Oh, yeah. Like, it just adds even more credit to the miracles. Yep, and there's absolutely no scientific explanation. Thomas Aquinas would actually actually came up with a, <laughs> a theory on these things, not specifically this miracle, because this... He lived a thousand years before this miracle, almost 700 years. But Thomas Aquinas mentioned that the human body almost like comes from your soul. So everything that your body and that your brain can do is because your soul could already do that. And your body is like the physical manifestation of like your soul almost, right? So if if your soul kind of contains your body and your body comes from your soul and everything that your body can do is because the human soul is capable of doing it, then what's interesting is that every human being on earth – no matter what their disabilities are, technically in their soul would be able to do all these things. If you had a handicapped person that was born without feet, the weird thing is their soul somehow has feet. Yeah. And in, because of this fallen world, in some weird way it just happens, maybe the connection between the soul and the body you know, wasn't perfect because we're in this sinful world and they just there was an impediment and they were born without feet, right? This woman, Gemma DiGiorgi, in a perfect world, would not be blind. Like, her soul has the ability to see because it's a human soul like anybody else. And because of sin, sometimes not her own sin or even her family's sin, just because it's out there, it happens, right? The connection between body and soul was probably off a little bit, and she was born unable to see. Well, what does Jesus do? Jesus restores the connection. Like, the, the disconnect between body and soul that's caused by sin. Well, if Jesus reverses all sin, he's going to restore that perfect connection. So if, if Gemma... This 
woman, if her soul was able to see and Padre Pio is that holy and Jesus worked through Padre Pio to almost like negate the effects of sin on her body, then all of a sudden her soul is going to be able to see and her body is going to respond to that even without pupils. So like she can, you can actually explain that by way of saying that her soul can see and somehow Padre Pio with his holiness through the power of Jesus restored that connection. Right. Crazy, right? It's almost like in heaven, you know, if anyone has like a deformity, then when they're in heaven, they're, they're okay. Like there's nothing wrong with them. So if someone was blind on earth, when they get to heaven, they're going to be able to see. Exactly. So it's, I feel like it's like Padre Pio or God really allow that to happen while they were still alive. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like, a, it's a sign for all of us that Jesus really does restore that connection. And that, that, that ability you're going to have when you go to heaven to do all the things you couldn't do on earth is absolutely real. And here's the proof right here that a woman still on earth can do this by Jesus's merits. Yeah. Um, one last proof of that is near death experiences. There's studies coming out now, official studies. In fact, the New York Academy of Sciences is ready to say, is, has put out a statement saying the odds, this is from a scientific perspective, not a faith perspective, the odds that your soul, your consciousness continues after you die are extremely high. By scientific studies they've done of tons of people that had near-death experiences, had out-of-body experiences, were revived, and knew all kinds of information they couldn't have known that was totally corroborated by people, by like, right. real events. One of the coolest things about this is that there are multiple cases within this 10-year study in which people that were born blind, who have no idea what seeing is even like, no concept of sight, were able to, when they came back to life from their experience, said, I could see. I could see 360. I could see all around me. They're able to describe things. Mm -hmm. And everything they described ended up being, they weren't making it up. It was true. Like they described, the one kid described the train going off the tracks near the, um, hospital that he died in right and he was able to say exactly where it went off the tracks what it looked like that it was in the snow yeah. what time they looked at the records and That's... like two miles down the road a train had derailed the exact same time mm-hmm. right like all kinds of things there's no way he could have known he said i could see well why because he had a human soul and the human soul in a perfect world can see right and yeah and you know it's pretty cool that is really cool yeah. it's perfect uh, i just want to uh, close off padre pio with obviously one of my favorite quotes of him just pray hope and don't worry it's so simple but it's so true I feel like we get so bogged down in life. We try to figure everything out for our own, but we just got to remember that line. Just pray, hope, and don't worry. And before we break into the devotional cup, do you want to do the devotional cup? Because I feel like this whole episode was like a devotion. Yeah, no, we can skip that for today. We will keep doing it. We do have a lot of devotions left. One last thing I wanted to say, though, is that Padre Pio, I call him the Jedi because for any of the Star Wars fans, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, but I do like Star Wars as much as the next dude. And the the old-fashioned Star Wars from the 70s, Ben Kenobi, right he looks like obi-wan kenobi yeah george lucas i believe is a catholic i would i would venture to say maybe george lucas saw something on padre pio because he's so cool and mysterious and like jedi you know and maybe he got the idea for um obi-wan kenobi's original character uh from the 70s you know based on padre pio because he wears the similar robes he looks like padre pio. he's a jedi he's got like gifts he's got powers i mean that's cool Mm -hmm. our faith is really cool like this is 1968. This dude was insanely holy. We have, and how many documented miracles throughout 27, his life? Twenty-seven thousand. Twenty-seven thousand documented miracles from this this Catholic spiritual Jedi. Either he was the greatest con man the world's ever seen and bribed thousands of people to testify under oath that they saw this, this X, Y, or Z miracle happen with money he didn't actually have because he didn't have any money. Either this guy was the greatest con artist the world's ever seen 
or he actually had gifts and this stuff is real. And there's people that experience one little tiny, tiny snippet from other people of the gifts that he had, we will tell you it's because the faith is real. Mm -hmm. So as you said, Ant, pray, hope, and don't worry. If God's real, he'll make sense of everything that you're going through right now. He'll use everything you're going through for the good. And on days where you're just kind of in that daily grind and you don't really feel much, just make sure you reach out to him in prayer as best you can. Bilocate your soul over to heaven, <laughs> over to heaven to see him. I like it. <laughs> and uh, to see the Lord and, and refresh yourself in that, uh, that water of, of that, that baptismal water of faith that, um, that po- people like Padre Pio reaffirm us in. Nice. Yeah. Do you want to close with a prayer? Yeah, you can do All it. Right. Okay. <laughs> name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Uh, St. Padre Pio, we ask for your intercession. Uh, if there's any sins that we're struggling with, especially because you were so good at pulling sins out of people in confession, uh, we ask that you help us to see the gravity of our sins. Help us to know like what it is that we're actually doing and why it's offensive to the Lord. And inspire us with that same love that you had. Uh, give us a vigor and energy and a zeal to move forward and to leave past sins behind and to move forward in God's graces. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. God bless. Thank you.